Amen. Good morning. You remember, you remember that old song? There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it's the spirit of the Sing it, let's sing it, sweet Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that we can gather in your name on your day in your house. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit that bathes each one of us with your love, your mercy, and your grace. And now, Lord, as we stand in your presence and just pour out our adoration and thanksgiving unto you, anoint our praise. Let it be pleasing. Let it be glorifying to your great and holy name. And we pray, O oh God, may your presence descend. Heal every heart. Refresh every soul. And draw each one of us closer to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And with grateful hearts, all God's people said, let's worship the Lord together. Sing with us. Let's rejoice in Him this morning. Amen. Yeah. 
love you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the hope we have in you. Thank you for the hope that's come through your blood. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We praise you. We honor you. King of kings, we exalt your holy name. We bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we receive it, Lord. We embrace it, Lord. We give you praise for it. Now, Lord, continue to minister by your powerful grace. In each heart, in each mind, each life, each family, by your grace, speak to us. By your grace, refresh us. By your grace, give us new strength for a new day. And we thank you for the greatness of your salvation. And all God's people said, let's give the Lord a hand clap. He's wonderful. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you. Thank you for your grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It's so good to see everybody. Amen. And Sister Amy's leading the charge. Young people, you are dismissed. Children. Are dismissed the children's church. They're going that way. Amen. Amen. Whatever that way is, right? That way. Praise the Lord. What a great group. What a great group. They keep on a going, a trickling, a trickulating down the field, as they say. Amen. That's uh, that's all right. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, if you would go with me to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to take our study from one of the parables of our Lord this morning. I love the teachings of Jesus. Amen? I love just to imagine I'm in the crowd when he teaches. You know, you can, your imagination, can, what must it have been like to hear the teacher of all teachers, right? Unfold the, the, the insights and the truths and the glories of the kingdom. And here we're going to talk about one of his parables about being ready to meet Him when He comes. Most important thing for any person, whether you're 5 or 95, is to make sure you are ready when the Lord calls your name. Amen? And He taught a lot about that because Jesus wanted all people to be ready. He loved people so much, He wanted everyone to make sure that they were ready. And so we're going to study that this morning. Matthew 25, let's start out with verse number 1. The words of Jesus, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins or bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, they took oil in jars along with their lamps. Now, the bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. 
But at midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins or the bridesmaids who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others came, sir, sir, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch or be ready because you do not know the day or the hour. We'll spend our time titled being spiritually prepared, or are you ready? Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Please help each one of us to hear what you're saying to us. Help each one of us to understand your Word and respond properly to your Word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Again, our topic this morning comes from the parable of the ten virgins of the ten bridesmaids. And a parable is a story that helps us to see and understand spiritual truth or spiritual principles. The main truth here is making sure you are ready and you are prepared to meet the Lord. The message is a simple one. And it's really meant to illustrate the truth that Jesus had been previously teaching. Before this, you can see Jesus, He's teaching that He's coming back again. And that He will judge sinners and He'll reward the righteous. And that people must be ready that um, His coming is going to be unexpected. No one knows the day or the hour. And there's not going to be any second chances. So you see, verse 1, it begins then or at that time. And it refers to the time of Jesus' unexpected appearing in power and glory. At that time, spiritual preparedness. It's good to be prepared to the natural. That's certainly biblical and that's certainly wise, but spiritual preparedness for entrance into the kingdom will be the most important thing. And it will be compared to um, preparedness of some certain bridesmaids, some certain bridesmaids. Jesus saying, just like um, these ten young women, so will it be when I come for mankind. You see, back in those days, how they would basically do the wedding is, at a certain time, again, they, they didn't have wristwatches and, and the calendars like we do. So at a certain time, very general, the, the, the groom would go take his friends and they would go to pick up his bride-to-be at her father's house. And they had to be ready. Because again, you didn't exactly know when it would come. You had a general idea, so you had to be ready. Again, and when he came, he'd get his bride and bring her back to his parents' house where they would get married and the celebration might go on for days, possibly even a week. But if he came at night, remember, there's no electric back then, amen? There are no flashlights or batteries back then. You had to have some oil in that lamp. Your lamp had to be ready to go or halfway through you fell out. You wouldn't make it. If you didn't have oil in your lamp, if you weren't ready and prepared, many were waiting, but not all of them made it in. So that's what Jesus is talking about. So this story is essentially a warning not to be caught spiritually unprepared or not ready or right with the Lord. And it's a warning that really we can apply it to different settings and different groups of people at different times, but addressed here specifically 
in this parable, Jesus is addressing those that are inside the professing church, the visible church. You know, right now, just in our region, how many tens and hundreds of thousands are going to church? A lot of different churches, but there's a lot of people going to church today. Amen? But Jesus is saying not everyone that's going to church is going to heaven. Because this parable is taking place among those that profess and say, I'm a Christian. But not all of them that said they were were actually ready when the time came. So to those who have made a profession of being a Christian, who consider themselves Christians, this is who Jesus is speaking to. Now, there's many similarities between these bridesmaids, but five of them were not truly saved or born again or spiritually ready to meet the Lord when He came. They did not have the oil of salvation, of preparedness. The fact is, they were all invited And they all did respond to a certain degree. They all had some affection for the Lord. They all had to go through that season of delay when they all fell asleep. And there's that delay that we're all in. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. But the fact is, Jesus is coming back. The fact is, we will meet Him. Now, some will meet Him sooner than later. Some might live and they'll be there when He returns. Most of us, we're going to see Him as we die and we have to die someday. We're all going to die. We've got to be ready when we die. And a person must be ready and truly saved, living for Jesus. Not just outwardly, being religious or moral. Not just claiming to be a Christian or familiar with certain Christian facts. Some people live in the the attitude of, well, someday I'm planning to get serious. Someday I'm going to get things in order. But listen, we want to walk through and just outline this story. We're going to see what it's saying to us. And then we'll expand our thought a little further about living a ready life. It is so important that you and I live ready and live steady, live consistent, and live close to Jesus. Can you say amen? So notice, first of all, three principles, three just summary principles from this story. Number one is the most obvious, the necessity of being prepared. And boy, you see verses 6 and 8, at midnight the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And they all woke up. They trimmed their lamps, but the foolish one said, "Uh uh-oh, our lamps are going out. And he's calling our name. The necessity of being prepared. You know, friend, the moment of testing is not the moment of preparation. The time of crisis is not the time to get reacquainted with God. In fact, verse 8 can actually be pretty frightening if your heart's not right with the Lord. Hear the cry, our lamps are going out, the time has come, and we're not ready. I thought I'd have more time. I was going to get serious about spiritual things one day, but, but I planned on. It's so important, friends. It is so important. Because listen, they, they wanted to attend the five foolish ones. They didn't plan on missing out. They were there. They just never got around to really getting serious. And really getting sure with their walk with God and their salvation. So number one, notice that the necessity of being prepared. But secondly, I want you to notice a summary here that there are certain things in life that cannot be borrowed. I can borrow your car. I can borrow a cup of sugar. You know what I mean? I I, I can borrow your, your bocce ball set for my picnic coming up on Memorial Day. But there are certain things that you just can't borrow. Isn't that right? Number one, saving faith. Faith that gets you into heaven. You can't borrow that from anyone else. You've got to know Jesus for yourself. There's no family plan. You must have your own experience with God. 
They don't fail. You can't borrow someone else's saving faith. You've got to have Jesus personally in your heart. You've got to ask Jesus personally to be your Savior. You can't borrow saving faith. You can't borrow character. You cannot borrow someone else's faithfulness or someone else's diligence. You can't borrow someone else's devotion or discipline. Each one of us must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Each one of us must develop our own Christ-likeness and Christian character. There are some things you can't borrow. You cannot borrow faith that gets into heaven. You've got to have your own. You can't borrow someone else's spiritual growth and character. And you can't share someone else's oil. Can you say amen? That oil is that symbol of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual strength and vitality that must be cultivated personally by each one of us if we're really going to run this race and be the ones God's called us to be. Romans 12 and verse 11. Paul urges the church, he says, never be lacking in zeal. Don't lose your zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor or fire serving the Lord. Paul says, listen, it's a long delay. We thought he was coming a hundred years ago. It might be another hundred years. So you and I got to make sure we keep going strong in the Lord, that we keep giving God our best, never be lacking in zeal. Ladies and gentlemen, if you love the Lord, stay on fire for Jesus. If you really love the Lord, stay fervent in your faith for the Lord Jesus. Others might not. Others might want want to take the way of the foolish and just be negligent. But as for you, you be determined to stay close. You be determined to stay filled. You be determined to stay steady in the Lord. Because He's coming one of these days. Going to be ready. Come on, say Amen. Three principles from this story. The necessity of being prepared. It's good to have your finances in order. That's biblical and that's wise. But the most important preparation is your soul. That's the most important thing. But also, we recognize you can't borrow some things, can you? Give us some of yours. It doesn't work that way. You've got to have your own faith in Christ. You've got to have your own salvation. Amen? You've got to develop your own character. All right. Number three, let's notice that opportunities aren't always open. Boy, you see those last few verses. And the door was shut. And the door was shut. Sobering sound, isn't it? When God shuts the door. I mean, when man shuts the door, maybe you can kick it open. Maybe you can pry it open. But when God shuts the door. It reminds me of the story of Noah. Most are familiar with the story of Noah back in the book of Genesis. You know, the Bible actually says, if you haven't read it in a while, that at the very end, just before the rain really started coming, God shut the door. Not Noah. The Bible says, and God shut the door. Such finality in those words. I mean, Noah had been building and hammering and preaching for a hundred years and very few responded. But hey, Jesus has been gone some 2,000 years. And so many have not yet got around to responding, have not yet made a decision to really respond to Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 and verse 16, urging us, make the most of every opportunity. And the most important opportunity is coming to Christ as the Spirit calls you. Saying yes to Jesus as you hear the gospel invitation to come to Christ. See, opportunities are often lost when men and women aren't ready or willing to respond to that opportunity. They're not sometimes spiritually alert enough to discern it. They're not spiritually hungry enough to really pay the price and reach out to enter in and embrace it. 
Um, I believe it was the words of the poet, for all sad word of tongue or pen, the saddest of these it might have been. People lose their opportunity. Now let's outline this story and make some comments. Remember, Jesus said, keep watch. Stay ready. Because you don't know the hour, make sure you're ready to meet your God. Number one, the description. Verses 1 and 2. This is the description. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, Jesus said, and five were wise. You know, I heard a preacher say one time, there are going to be three kinds of people in the world when Jesus returns. The saved, the unsaved, and those that think they're saved. The foolish ones thought they were, didn't they? They'd responded. They thought they were. Dr. Boyce writes, this is the time leading up to the coming of the Lord. And this is the visible church. Those that have heard the invitation. Those that maybe responded somewhat and might have some affection for Jesus. They wouldn't say a bad word about Jesus. But they never truly got around to really being born again and giving their lives completely to Jesus. Number one, there's the description. Verse three gives us the deception. It says, the foolish ones took their lands but did not take any oil. They took no extra oil. You know, it seems like some just want enough to get to heaven. But that's a dangerous place to be now. Come on. I mean, that's a deceptive attitude to have. But you know, the Bible, the Bible is very clear. The Bible doesn't want us to have that attitude. The Bible says to make our calling and election sure. To live in such a way that there's no doubt about it. We are saved. We're right with God. And we're living it out. Look at Second Peter verse chapter 1, verse 10. Second Peter, the, the first chapter, Second Peter, verse 10. And, and here Peter's urging them, Therefore, my brothers, talking to those that are out there in that visible church, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and your election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never fail. And the next verse says, you'll be ready to receive that welcome and reward when Jesus Christ, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is so important that you and I make it sure. Let the fruit of our lives be evident. Let there be no doubt that you're born again, that you are a public and unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's good to be sure in a lot of things. You make sure your, your life insurance is paid up. Amen. You, you, you make sure you got the receipt for this or the receipt for that. Friend, make sure your heart's right with God. Make sure the evidence is within and the evidence is without. The witness in the heart, the evidence with the life. Make sure that you know that you know you are ready to meet your Lord. Verse 4 is the devotion. Description, deception, devotion. Verse 4 says, the wise, though, they took oil, some extra oil, along with their jars. The wise, make sure you replenish your oil, friend. This life will drain you. This life has battles that will exhaust you and they can weary you out. They can bruise you as you fight that good fight of faith. And and the enemy looks for men and women to get in a vulnerable state. Um, The enemy waits for men and women to neglect their spiritual life and start running on fumes. And then he attacks. But the wives took extra oil. 
I need some extra oil. Amen? This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We need some extra oil. Don't be satisfied with a shallow Christianity, but experience fresh fillings, daily fillings as you draw near to God and you feed on the Word and stay strong in the Spirit. Devotion. Verse 5, delay. We're in the delay. Look at verse 5. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Over 2,000 years, that's pretty long. I mean, even back in Bible days, they were saying, when's he going to come already? When's he going to come? Isn't that right? Some of y'all never thought you'd get where you're at. You thought he would have came already. But he still hasn't come yet. We're in the delay. We're in the delay. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Interesting. It's that time of sleeping. He hadn't come yet. But we must stay faithful and filled and busy and active as if he's coming today. He hadn't come yet, has he? And we still got to um, raise kids and um, fix the car and go get the groceries. Amen. And it's very easy in the delay for people to get a little casual with their Christianity, a little careless with their walk with God. It's easy for people that meant well and, and they, 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 not that they didn't love the Lord, they kind of did, but they just never. This is so easy to get slumbering during the wait. People get distracted. They begin to live off a long-ago experience. There's a casualness and a complacent spirit that gets on us sometimes as we wait and the yawning spirit comes upon us. And gradually, men and women don't realize how empty they are. It's the delay time. But delay leads to the declaration. Verse 6, He's here! He's here! The bridegroom is here! Our appointed time has come. You know, someday we will all hear this call. Someday you will hear your name. It's your time to meet the Lord. Declaration, verse 7, diligence. They trim their lamps. You know, it's important that we care for our faith. That we tend the garden of our faith. That we monitor our spiritual tank. No one else can do that for you. You've got to care for your spiritual walk with God. And you have to make sure that you don't ignore the Spirit's, the Spirit's warnings. My friend, listen, take seriously when the Holy Spirit nudges or prods your heart. Because, listen, if you'll take care of your faith, your faith will take care of you. But, but if we neglect our faith and don't trim those lamps and care for it as we ought to, if we just ignore those warnings. I remember a story that one old boy, he bought a new car some while ago. And it had those voices in the car. You know, they speak to you in a little sweet little voice. He used to call his little girl when he first got it. Um, um, you're, you're running low on gas. You're running low on gas. You're running. He went on a long trip. And he's like, some men, he don't ever want to stop. Amen. If he could go a thousand miles without stopping, he'd just keep going. I mean, you know, he don't want to stop. For, he's got to get to where he's going to get. He, he's got a mission in mind. And, and all of a sudden, that little thing, you're running out of gas. It started to bug. Him. He used to be sweet. Now it's gnawing at his head. He, finally, he got so tired of it, he pulled over the side of the road and he pulled the cord so he didn't have to hear that voice anymore. And you know the story. Within the next ten miles. <laughs> a lot of people do that with the Lord. That Holy Spirit convicts them. That Holy Spirit tries to speak to them. 
and they ignore it. They get tired of it. Finally, they just get away from anyone that will talk to them about the things of God. And I'm tired. Maybe if I don't hear it, it'll make things different. But not hearing it don't change it. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Hey, so friends, stay sensitive to the Spirit of God. That's the loving call of a Heavenly Father that cares about us. Let's pay attention to that. And let's be diligent in the care of our faith. Because once again, if you'll take care of your faith, your faith will take care of you. Verse 8, depletion. We're running out. Give us some of yours. We're running out. Verse 9, the denial. Look at that. No, they said. Now the foolish one says, our lamps are going out. Give us some of your oil. Verse 9, no, no. There may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Wow. This is the greatest day of your life. You can buy oil for yourself. This is denial. The wise one says, sorry, it doesn't work that way. But, got some good news for you. God is still dispensing oil. God is still saving all that will come. God is still filling those that will thirst and say, Lord, I need a fresh touch. God is restoring lives that will come to Him and believe in Him. You might be running dry this morning. You might not be 100% sure that things are right before you and God. But you can get fresh oil today. You can get the oil of salvation. You can get the oil of rededication. You can get the oil of a new strength and a new boldness in the Lord. You can buy it for yourself. You can come and receive it. You can call on the Lord and He'll answer your cry. You can get serious with God and He'll receive you and He'll embrace you and He will transform you. My friend, today the Bible says is called the day of grace. Now is a time that whoever wants more of the Lord, you can come and get more of the Lord. There is still time if you act upon what the Spirit is speaking to your heart. Oh Lord, what good news we have have. God is still dispensing oil. There's healing oil for the hurting. There's refreshing oil for the weary. There's saving oil for those that have drifted away from God and need their sins forgiven and the insurance that heaven will be their home one day. God, the good God, a faithful God, a loving God, He is dispensing oil. Oil that heals the wounds that life gives us. Oil that lifts us up so we can walk above the challenge Life throws at us. Oh, friend, good news, good news. Whatever you have needed, your God has provided. He's faithful and He's willing if you'll just come. Oh, God is pouring out oil. Whosoever will, you can get more of God. Isn't that beautiful? Woo! You don't have to live in fumes. You don't want to live in that spiritual frailty and frustration. You can get daily fresh fillings from the hand of God Himself. Verse 10, departure and division. Look at that. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, they should have been ready. They shrugged off all the opportunity to get ready. They winked at it. Well, maybe some other time. I got a few other things I want to do. Oh, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, don't wait too late to buy that oil. Don't wait too late to get things right. The bridegroom arrived. The bridemaids who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet 
and the door was shut. Later, the other ones came. Sir, sir, open the door, open the door, please. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Verse 10, we call departure and division. The ready went in, and the door was shut. You know, if you study Jesus' parables and teachings on his return, you'll see some common themes, obviously, that run through various teachings. He told the same truths in just different ways with different illustrations. But he always emphasized, be ready, be watching, be working when I come. He always emphasized, no one knows the day or the hour. But if you follow it, there's always going to be a separation, an evaluation, and then either a commendation or a condemnation. You go through it. You go, the wheat's and the tares, the sheep and the goats. You go through the teachings of Jesus. When he returns, what are the themes? I'm coming back. You need to be ready. When I come, there's no second chance. And when I come, there's going to be a separation. The wise and the foolish, the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares. There's going to be a separation. There's going to be an evaluation. And then there'll either be a commendation, well done, or a condemnation, depart. I don't know you. I want to be ready. I want to live every day ready. Amen. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. And then verse 12, we call it the disqualification. I, I don't know you. Are there any more frightening words than to hear the words Jesus, the loving Jesus, the compassionate Jesus, the one that died on the cross for all of our sins, Jesus, say these words, I don't know you. Mm. Stephen Olford, was a, uh, he's with the Lord now, but what a brilliant preacher from Great Britain. Some of you old preachers, I'm sure you've heard of Dr. Olford, Stephen Olford. I mean, he had a silver tongue. If there were, he could preach. I mean, he like angels. Listen to him preach. And every, alliteration, alliteration. And he broke down this story into three parts. He talked about being unprepared. He said being unprepared is very fashionable, very fashionable. Many people do it, don't they? Many people claim to be, but really aren't. Many people hope to get someday, but are putting things off. It's very fashionable what these bridesmaids were doing, isn't it? We look all around us, and we see many, many, many that outwardly, socially, might call themselves Christians. But really, they never did get around to really getting serious about serving the Lord. He says it's very fashionable, but it's also very foolish because those that were caught not ready, they found out they were um, the unready were unable to enter in. It was foolish because if you're unready when he comes, you're unable to enter in when he appears. He says they were it was a fashionable attitude. We just kind of come to church. It's a nice thing to do. And someday we'll get serious. Someday we'll really give our lives to Christ. Very fashionable, very popular today. But he says, very foolish. Because if he calls your name and you're not ready, if you're not ready, you're not able to enter into that salvation. He says it's fashionable, foolish, and in the end, it's fatal. It's fatal. Because when that door is shut, 
There is no hope and there is no salvation outside the door of Jesus Christ. He's the only way to get there. And if he shuts that door, there's no hope for anyone. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you're ready. Sell someone next to you. Make sure you're ready. That matters more than anything else. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And then finally in verse 13, the declaration and the decision. Therefore, Jesus said, keep watch and stay ready for you don't know the hour. So again, let's live ready, steady, consistent, and close, close to Jesus. Now, let me expand some thought here. The thought of being spiritually prepared and why it's important, even beyond salvation, the most important thing. But let me give you at least two other reasons why it's greatly important that as believers, we live already steady, consistent, and close to Jesus' life. Because number one, friends, I want to, I don't need to tell you this, but we should all know this, because storms and the attacks of life come suddenly. So you better be ready. Amen? I mean, listen, and some people, unfortunately, it shipwrecks their faith. Some people, they're not ready and they go through something and that crisis or that setback just totally derails them and they're never the same and some just totally leave the things of God. We can all think of people, they used to serve God and something bad happened, something, and for whatever, it got them so embittered, got them so discouraged, they just forsook the Lord. But if they had been really, really been ready, they would have been able to weather that storm. And rise up from that. Because storms come suddenly. But listen, they don't have to shipwreck you. They don't have to cripple your walk. They don't have to crush your faith. Again, if you take care of your faith, your faith will take care of you. Many don't recover. But listen, I'm going to assume because you're here, you've survived. You're not here today because you've never gone through anything. You're here today, but you've gone through some stuff, but you stayed close to Jesus. You've endured a storm or two in your life, and you wouldn't let it shipwreck your faith. It might have knocked you back for a while. It might have really done a damage on you, but you got back up and you said, Lord, I'm going on. I'm going on. I don't understand it. I didn't appreciate it, but I'm not losing my soul for anything. And you got back up. Oh, my, 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 my. I'm just trying to tell you. But you know what? Unfortunately, everybody doesn't survive. The spiritual casualty list is too long to recite, but some lose their faith and turn their backs on God when the storm hits and the tragedy strikes. But those who were prepared were able to really withstand it. It's preparation that prevents poor performance and so have a prepared faith. A faith that's able not to avoid every damage because we can't avoid it. You can't avoid it in this life. It's all of us. The affliction, the trial... The tribulation. But when you live close to Jesus, when you have a prepared faith, you can rise up even when life knocks you down. You can recuperate even when a thing feels like you're falling apart. You can overcome things that would try to keep you down. You can endure things that would try to hold you back. Because here it is, if you don't stay ready, the dangerousness storms come suddenly. Somebody say suddenly. You know, that's the frustrating thing about trials. They don't call up and make an appointment. They don't call ahead and confirm the reservation. <clears throat> um, um, they don't ask, will it be a good time next week if I stop by and just really do a number on you and your family? They don't do that. They just say, ready or not, here we come. 
you might have got up singing, this is the day, and before you hit, hit the pillow at night, oh, what a day. I mean, it's just, i, I got to be ready. These storms, they, they don't ask my permission if they can come, and they don't ask me for any insight on when they can come. They just come, amen? So i just got to stay right. i got to stay close to Jesus. i got to stay filled with the Spirit. Isn't that right? i got to stay close to my brothers because when things hit me, I need a friend. Isn't that true? That's why you can't go out and just become a nobody. you got to stay with the body. Stay with the group. Amen? Because when they hit you, you need someone to come and hug you. You need someone to come pray with you. To come and call you. They come suddenly and unexpectedly and unannounced now. And we don't see them coming. I know, I know, I know. Of course, the pessimists saw them coming. But they see everything coming. They see things coming that aren't coming. But who wants to live like that? Isn't that right? The pessimist on that tombstone. I told you I was sick. I know. But you started telling us 30 years before you croaked. I mean, for heaven's sakes. I mean, you know what I mean? I, I don't want to be a pessimist. Amen. That's not Bible. Be an optimist. Be someone that believes. Be men and women of faith. Isn't it right? We're people of expectation and trusting God. But all oh, the fact is that trials come suddenly, unexpectedly, unannounced. Just ask. Ask the disciples. On the path of obedience, they found this out. I want to emphasize that on the path of obedience. Now, we know the Bible says that, that, that many of the afflictions, uh, we say the, the, the way of the transgressor is hard. And some people, it's hard because you've been transgressing. But that's not the case for everybody. Isn't that right? You know, some people got problems because they're just not living how they ought to live. But even if you live right, the disciples here were in perfect obedience to Jesus. And obedience brought them to the storm of their lives. It was the master that said, let's go over to the other side. You remember that story? And they obeyed and they found out that storms come suddenly and without warning, even on the path of obedience. A furious storm arose. The waves crashed violently over the sides of the boat. And Jesus, where was Jesus? He's asleep. He's asleep. What's he sleeping for? Can't he see we got problems? You ever feel like that? You're praying, you're like the disciples. Don't he see what's going on here? Didn't he just feel that wave that crashed our family? Lord, wake up and help us. And the disciples, they cried out in fear and accusation. Fear, we're going to drown. Accusation, don't you care that we're going to drown? You know, Dr. Wiersbe writes, what a storm does to us is often determined by what it finds in us. What a storm does to us is often determined by what it finds in us. Think about it. You've all seen similar people go through similar things, and one comes through one way and one comes through another way. Who's been walking close with God, who responds, trusting God. But here comes the storm. These professional fishermen, they think they're going down for the last time. And their hope, their Savior, he's asleep. But then the Bible says, glory to God. It says, but Jesus arose. Oh, friend, thank God he arose. Arise, oh God, and let thine enemies be scattered. 
He wants to arise in your situation. He wants to rise in your storm. Oh, child of God, fear not. It might seem like that He's delaying. It might seem like that He's distant. It might seem like he, He's taking a nap when you need His help. But oh, you need to know He's getting ready to arise. He's getting ready to draw near. He's getting ready to speak peace to your storm and give grace to your weariness. Oh, Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is someone you can always trust and you can always count on. His delays do not mean His denials. And just because He's silent, it doesn't mean He's absent. He is there. He is there. But sometimes He wants to see your faith grow a little bit. Sometimes He wants to stretch your ability to sing when it's not easy to sing and to trust when you can't see anything to trust in. But faith lays hold of the Word of God even when situations are against us. Even when we can't understand why God is allowing it. But faith knows He's still a good God even when life's not good. Faith knows He's a faithful God even when men are not faithful to us. And if we'll keep leaning on those everlasting arms, He that began a good work in you, He's going to finish that work. He's going to finish that work. Nothing can stop you if you're God before you. Nothing can hold you down if your Savior is going to lift you up. Hallelujah. Jesus arose. Arise in our lives. Arise, O God, and work. He arose. And first He spoke to the storm and then He spoke to the disciples. He spoke to the storm. Peace be still. Spoke to the disciples. Where's your faith? time for another lesson. It's time for some more schooling. He spoke to the storm. Peace be still. And my friend, the power of His words still put the enemy to flight and still imparts peace to troubled hearts. Oh, hear you the Word of the Lord. Peace be still. Peace be still. You're going to make it. He's going to bring you through. He'll be your strength. He'll be your burden bearer. He'll be your defender. He'll be your shield. He'll be your shade. Be still. Peace be still. Be still and know. This is God talking to you now. Be still and know that He is God. That He is a faithful God. and He is a loving God. And He is your defender. And He is your provider. And He is your keeper. And He is your way maker. You're going to make it through. Jesus arose. Peace. And then He speaks. But the disciples weren't ready. And because they were called spiritually off guard, they forgot. They forgot His presence. He was there the whole time. Faith don't need to have a goosebump to believe He's there. Now, I like a good goosebump. Don't get me wrong. Amen? Don't take all my feeling away. He gave me feelings. I like to feel it. Amen? But you don't always feel it, do you? But He's still there, is He not? He's still in control, isn't He? But they weren't prepared, so they weren't alert, and so they lost their sensitivity. When you're not prepared, you lose spiritual sensitivity. Things that you used to hear easier and sense quicker, all of a sudden those things pass you by, or you get blind to them because you're not ready. But they, they forgot His presence. He was there. They forgot His promise. He's the one that said, let us go over to the other side. Hey, when you're walking in the Word, nothing's going to sink your ship. Can you say amen? When you're walking in obedience, listen, storms will come, but they will not over. 
overcome. Jesus is the overcomer. Isn't that right? They forgot His promise and they forgot His power. Can you imagine that? Just one word. Peace be still. And everything that was getting them ready to go down for the third time, it's over. You know, one, 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 one of the gospel translations of the story say that when he spoke that, even the waves stopped. Can you imagine that? You can't stop a wave. Even if a storm stopped immediately, them waves keep, you know. But he spoke, wow. <laughs> when he's in your boat, no matter what comes your way, don't you ever forget his presence, his promise, and his power. Can you say amen? Oh, Lord, help us. Have a prepared faith so that we can respond trusting God, knowing God will do what he promised that he would do, knowing that we can hold our peace because God is going to fight the battle. A prepared faith, a prepared faith. We live and we want to live overcoming life as believers. We have to live spiritually ready lives because storms come suddenly and they don't have to shipwreck our faith. We can believe God and have God bring us through. We can come through stronger than when that storm hit us. But also remember this as we begin to wind down. Not only do storms come suddenly. You know what, friends? Opportunities come suddenly. How many opportunities have passed people by? They weren't ready to respond. They weren't ready to receive. They missed and often were unable to be retrieved. But they weren't ready to respond and believe and step out. The call of God. The wind of the Spirit. There's opportunities to give, to receive, to serve. They come suddenly too. The spiritually alert are ready to respond at the appointed time when the Spirit moves. They're ready to respond when the Master calls. This might be an opportunity to speak into someone's life and let God use you. But you've got to be ready as the Spirit prompts you and the Spirit speaks to your heart. It might be an opportunity to receive a special touch. An opportunity to respond to the Spirit's prompting. It might be an opportunity to rise up and enjoy and enter in to that promised promotion. Don't let it slip you by. Be ready. Be, be ready, ladies and gentlemen. Be ready to be God's vessel. Like David, when God divinely orchestrated his encounter with Goliath, everybody else is hiding. But David was ready to respond. David was ready for faith to rise. David was ready. And God used him. Be ready to be God's instrument. Be ready to be the vessel God wants you to be. He'll orchestrate things. He'll bring up divine appointments for you to speak and for you to stand and for you to be His giant killer in the land. Be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready to receive God's promise and His special touch. How many can remember blind Bartimaeus? Oh man, he was ready. He had a ready faith, didn't he? I mean, here he was. He, no one had to pump him up. No one had to prepare him. All he heard, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. What's that noise? Is it a parade? Is a politician in town? No. Jesus, Jesus, the blind man, that's all he had to hear. He shut down the show. Can you say amen? He began crying out. He began, they said, hush up. He said, you hush up. I need a touch from God. And he cried. 
God. He had a ready faith to receive when the anointed time, the appointed time had come. Friend, don't miss the blessings of God. Live ready. Live ready. Live ready. My Lord, live ready. And when God begins to speak, you can respond. When God says, now is the appointed time, you can receive. Be ready to be God's vessel. Be ready to receive God's special touch. Be ready to enter into your promotion. Elisha was ready, wasn't he? Elisha was ready. Remember that? When God is looking for a man to carry his mantle and take his prophetic anointing into the next generation, that mantle found a ready vessel. Elisha was ready. He might have been out there working for his father in the pea patch. He might have been plowing the rows or whatever he's doing. But when Elijah showed up, Elisha was ready. He was a ready vessel. He was ready. When God said the time has come, he didn't have to go back to school. He didn't have to go home and get things in order. He didn't have to go. No, no. He was ready. When God said, Tag, you're it. He was ready to respond and go after God. Live a ready life so you can be the vessel God wants you to be. So you can receive the blessings God wants you to receive. And so you can enter in to the seasons of blessing and promotion God has for you. But God moves at special times and in special ways. Get your house in order, then keep it in order. Get filled and then stay filled. Ask God to anoint your ears so you can hear when the Spirit is moving. Touch those eyes. You can see when the Spirit is beginning to open. And you can respond. And you can embrace. Oh, be a ready vessel. Be a ready vessel. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Lord, we love you. Oh, Lord, we love you. Why is it so important? Why is it so important to be ready? Because storms come suddenly. And if you're not careful, they can shipwreck your marriage. They can shipwreck a home if you're not found ready. Be ready because opportunities come suddenly. God's a good God. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless your business. He wants to bless your home. He wants to bless your ministry. But He's demanding a ready people that can move as He moves and respond as He calls. Whose hearts are ready to step up when He says the time is right to step up. Why do we have to be ready? Storms and opportunities. And let's not forget, because Jesus comes suddenly. Like a thief in the night. He warned men again and again, be ready, stay awake, be alert. I'm going to return. Be ready for me to knock on the door of your heart. The most important of all preparations is the preparation to meet your God. You can have everything else in line. You can leave a great inheritance for the children. You you can live summer camps for the grandchildren. But if you're not ready to meet God, it all goes to naught. Five foolish bridesmaids were unprepared and unable to meet the bridegroom. So it's only proper, it's only responsible that you end this text, this story, by asking the question, If you were to die tonight, are you ready to meet God? Now, I've got to assure you that just being religious is not enough. Just being a pretty good person is not enough. When you meet Him, you want to know that you've received His Son, Jesus, 
as your Savior. But He's the only way to salvation. And maybe you're here today and all right, all right, you're ready in that sense. But maybe you're saved and... Um, but the things you know you haven't done, words you should have spoken you haven't spoke. Maybe you're just going through the motions, but you know there's certain things that if Jesus were to come, you'd be ashamed if he found you in that condition. As we close in our final prayer, number one, most important, urgent thing, make sure you're ready that you've received Jesus personally as your Savior, that you live for him publicly, unashamedly. Make sure. Make sure. If not, then come and make it sure. Then just take the time, this opportunity, and make it right, that you'll know that you'll know. But secondly, you know, friend, maybe you need some fresh oil. I need fresh oil constantly. You know, we're living in the delay. That time when he could come, but he could be another hundred years. And we got to live this life, don't we? We got problems, don't we? We got bills. We got decisions. We got stuff. We got, hey, right? And if we're going to finish strong, we got to stay filled. So maybe you're here and you're just weary and you just need some fresh oil. That's our good news. He's still giving out oil. Heaven is still pouring out oil on those that will ask for it and those that will respond to his call. So as we worship, if you want to come to the altar after the closing prayer, come. If you want to sit in your seat and just open up your heart and say, Oh, Lord, fill me. Ask Him to fill you. But I ask you, please, if you're not 100% sure that you're saved and your heart's right with God, take the time and ask Him then and make it right. It's the most important thing. Let's bow our hearts. We pray. Oh, God. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, pour out fresh oil upon your people this morning. The oil of your Holy Spirit, pour it out upon all those who are desiring to receive more of you. I believe, Lord, there's people here that want more of you, that hunger and thirst for a greater measure of your presence, your anointing, and the infilling of your Spirit in their lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, pour out fresh oil upon every person that will desire it and reach out for it. Father, we know that you are still dispensing that, still pouring out your Spirit upon all those that will thirst and come and ask you for a drink. So, Lord, I pray in this service, fill people afresh. Refresh people spiritually and emotionally. Renew their strength with the strength of heaven so they can get back in there and keep running their race and fighting their fight and being the overcoming child of God you desire them to be. Father, I pray now if there's someone here that's not ready, if hearts Men and women aren't ready to meet you. Let no one leave until they are sure that Jesus, you're their Savior. And they put their faith in you and your salvation. Let no one leave this place unless we're all prepared to meet you. 
Oh, God. Now, Lord, draw them. Now, Lord, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them. Oh, let healing oil fall. Let the renewing, the restoring of strength be imparted. Fresh oil, fresh oil. That all who are thirsty would receive a great refreshing now in the name of Jesus. The altars are open. If you're thirsty, let's worship the Lord. Let's ask God to fill us. Let's respond. Let's get things right. Let's make it right. Let's receive a fresh touch from God.